BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown brewery. So, John, if any of our listeners are new to the podcast, I would say they probably shouldn't listen to last week's show because, well, the writers, they basically did the opposite of everything we talked about in that show this week against uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. And that game was basically a disaster, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But first... Dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. So... I think that whole episode needs to be retweeted by freezing cold takes because, whoo boy, did we get that one wrong, Joel. Uh, and I, I mean, yeah, we did. And I, I wrote about it on 3 Down Nation where I said one game does not reflect what's going to happen another, and that's always important to take into note. But nonetheless, we look, like, even dumber than usual if you listen to last <laughs> week's show compared to what if you start then listen to this week's you would think we were talking about two completely different teams which well in a sense we are but first yeah. we have a little bit of business to get to as i uh entered some very intense and sometimes ugly negotiations over the weekend to uh Ooh. try and land us a sponsor to try to make us at least come across as legitimate mm-hmm. and for some reason Someone has agreed to sponsor this podcast, if you can believe it. Woohoo! We are not a complete dumpster fire. We are legitimate. We have a sponsor, and it's fantastic. Absolutely. So if you listen to the start of the show, I mean, this has all kind of been given away. But if you happen to listen in just 10 seconds in, this is news to you as uh, Glenn and the gang at Pile of Bones Brewing Company in downtown Regina have agreed to sponsor this podcast. And uh, Glenn, thumbs up, bud. Love you, man, and uh, we we appreciate the support for this entire season and hopefully beyond. If you're uh, still feel like sticking with us after we after we are associated with your brand for the next number of months. F- fair enough, but you know what? We might not know a whole lot about football if you read the comment section on Three Down Nation. Uh, you know that's the general consensus, it seems. But you know what? We know a lot about tasty beer. Absolutely, and on that note, as we do every single week. 
John, what's in the glass this week? For the first time ever, we've got a back-to-back in the glass. Whoa! I had to go with. Do we have like a sound is... effect for that? We should probably come up with a sound effect for that. That, that. that would be something. I just feel like I need the echo effect, like back to back in the glass, or like the big like monster truck in voice it. guy. Back to back in the glass on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> this Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. John's drinking for a second week in a row. The pile of bones, pile of bones, white. IPA. He said it's the beer of the summer. Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. <clears throat> and if you're still with us, um, I have also a <laughs> nice can of Pile of Bones Session Ale, which is kind of a, a fancy way of saying a light pale ale. Lighter in alcohol, but still full flavored and always delicious. On a Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. So, something that really wasn't delicious <laughs> over the weekend was the play of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And Oof. everything that basically was good the week before was awful this week against Ottawa. And we'll get into the whole game in a minute, but as we record this podcast on Tuesday night, some more important news came out earlier this afternoon, as first reported on 3 Down Nation and then confirmed by the reporters of practice. Zach Caleros is out. He's on the six-game injured list with... A concussion, head injuries, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And this really changes kind of the conversation about this team for the next few weeks because there was a lot of attention on what will Zach Caleros be for this team. And now that shifted because probably for at least the next few weeks because if he's on the sixth game, it's safe to assume that he's missing more than one week because they will pull him off early if he's ready. So it's always kind of the sixth game is kind of more of a, well, just in case kind of thing now at times. But you assume it's more than one yep. week. So what does this mean for the team? I think now is the big question over the next number of weeks. Well, I think Zach Caleros has looked good in his first couple of games. I mean, maybe not against Ottawa, but I mean, he didn't have any time to think. We knew that he can be an elite level quarterback, but coming into the season when the Riders went out and got him, the question mark was injuries. And unfortunately, just two games into the season, this has reared its ugly head as much as people hype up Brandon Bridge and as much as he's looked good in short term in certain games in spurts the Riders are now going into their third game of the year I wouldn't say with a complete question mark at quarterback but they're now having to turn to their backup quarterback in game three which big picture is usually not a good thing for most teams especially this early in the season to be missing their starter And, and, and again Kolaris had looked I don't think he was lighting up. I don't think he was going to be winning the MOP award or anything, but at no, least he had not. looked, he had looked solid for stretches. So it's, it's, I think, and you were, and I were talking about this off air. This is really put up or shut up time for Brandon bridge. If he wants to be the guy, this is his first chance to go out and really try to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It's time. It's time for him to prove it. We've all seen the potential. We've seen what he can do in, in short terms. He, he's finally going to have a chance to start for a team that's not the Montreal Alouettes <laughs> for at least consecutive games. And let's see what the kid's made out of. So let's see if he lives up to the hype. And and I said it a couple episodes ago that I think he'll be starting for the team by the end of the year. This could be if he lights it up over the next three to six games while Caleros is out. I think Caleros maybe comes back with a clipboard in hand. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Chris Jones is one of those guys who subscribes to the you can't you lose your job to injury, which I haven't always agreed with it. I think it's very 
context depending on how the situation plays out and how just how good the replacement player has played per se um, certainly I think first and foremost you you, just, you have to feel for Zach Caleros this is oh, a yeah. guy who has been at the top of this league was arguably the best player in this league for a good chunk of 2015 and since then it's just been one thing after another whether it's injury or poor play or poorest offensive line play in front of him in a couple of spots now and you just you have to feel horrible for him because this was a guy that had the whole world in front of him. I remember when I worked for CJME and Jamie and I and I sat in a Vancouver hotel room the day after the Grey Cup when they lost to Calgary. And the discussion was on the show, was this the start of a great rivalry between Bo Levi Mitchell and Zach Caleros? And we both mm-hmm. sat there and we thought, oh yeah, like these guys are going to meet in the Grey Cup again. This was going to be, you know, the next decade of CFL football and... Bo's been there. Bo's been able to get back, and Bo continues to be that guy. But everything basically since then has just gone wrong for Zach Caleros. And no matter what you think about his, what, what do you think of him as a player? Like you just have to feel for him, and it's awful. And you just wish that he would finally, at some point, catch a dang break. You know? Yeah. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. You feel terrible for the guy. But and I said it while I was uh, on on CTV Morning Live last Friday. The thing humble that concerns uh, – humble brag, that's right. Hey, I, I got to plug the correct podcast correct <laughs> appearance this time. Um, when I was on CTV, I did mention that the thing that was worrisome to me and to prove that maybe how fragile and how tough luck it's been for Zach Caleros is there, was, there wasn't that huge, oh, my goodness, he's definitely hurt moment. No. It was just like, oh, he's – he's out of the out of the game with concussion and i get it concussions can come as a guy that's had multiple concussions they can come about in, in weird ways and weird plays and just you turn the wrong way and you run into somebody and it just it, it doesn't work well and it they're not always caused by that big spectacular hit but you know as also as a guy that's had concussions it's so much easier to get your next one after your first one so you have to start wondering okay is this something that's going to hamper zach caleros and possibly be his ticket out of the league unfortunately and that you'd hate 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 to see for a guy like him we all hope that he recovers and and, and can be at least near what he once was I mean but I just Joel I'm, I'm starting to I, I don't know if, if it's there I, I think once you're becoming it, it, it's almost like Rob Bag with his knees a few years ago yeah you know we all thought that that was going to be it for Bag every single time he got tackled and I hope he takes the Rob Bag route of coming back and having several healthy seasons, but at this time with head injuries, that rarely seems to happen. Yeah, and so it's really unfortunate. We wish Zach the best, and we hope that he's able to return to the field, not as Ryder fans, because that's not who we are, but just as CFL fans and you know general human beings, we want this guy to be well. So certainly that's what we're hoping for, but... As you said, this does create the opportunity for Brandon Bridge. And I know mm-hmm. outside of Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation, Brandon Bridge has to be the most excited guy right now about being able to get this shot and to say, okay, now is my time to prove that I can do this. And it's not just about being the guy for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Maybe he becomes that guy. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But whatever he does over the next number little while that Zach Caleros is out, will be the game film that determines whether he can be a starting quarterback in this league, whether people believe he can be a starting quarterback in this league, whether it's in Saskatchewan or somewhere else. And so this is it. 
there's been there was a lot of talk last year about whether Brandon Bridge should start over Kevin Glenn, and I wrote the piece at one point over at the point last year, counterpointing Daryl Davis of Three Down Nation and the Green Zone, who suggested that it was t- still time to stick with Kevin Glenn, even though the Riders, in my mind, had clinched a playoff spot, essentially. There was nothing really a whole lot to yeah. play for outside of whether they were going to finish fourth in the West and crossover or finish third. So ultimately, none of that really mattered. So the question was, who should start? To me, it said, well, now's the time to see if Brandon Bridge can take your team to the next level because you already know what you have in Kevin Glenn. And the Riders decided yeah. to stick along with the in-and-out sort of two-quarterback system and ultimately... That didn't pay off for them because kind of like in hockey where you go with the two goalie system at the end of the day, generally speaking, it doesn't work out. So that's kind of what happened to them last year. Brandon Bridge never really got the chance to be the starter. He was ultimately the guy that won them a lot of football games, but he was never the starter. So now he gets to go through the paces of being the starting quarterback. That's being the starting quarterback in all the meetings. That's meeting with the media probably three times this week. That's, you know, that's the whole thing. That's the sit-down interview with TSN. It's it's all the distractions. It's everything. Oh, and now the other team is actually game-planning for you and not the other guy. And all of a sudden, you're, they're actually going to game-plan for his speed. They're going to game-plan for his ability to break away. And can he adjust to that? Because that will be the major difference this week is because he's usually coming off the bench. And they've yep. teams have gone from planning for an immortal for a quarterback that can't really move around that well to a quarterback that can. And so that will completely change how the Montreal Alouettes approach this game compared to Zach Claros. Now it's Montreal and whatever, but beyond this week, that will be the big question is can Brandon bridge adapt to the adaptions that have been made to him? Well, this almost brings up uh, 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 talking about last week's uh, dumpster fire in Ottawa a little bit here, but Let's face it, that offensive line for the Riders this year is very not good, at least through the first few games. They've just looked very porous. They've looked weak. they got guys getting by him, getting empty shots at the quarterback. Maybe Brandon Bridge and his mobility and his escapability is what this team needs to take off because Zach Caleros was under constant fire. I mean, this is a guy that doesn't really move, so maybe Bridge will be able to take some of the pressure off of that O-line that has really yet to find their game so far. So I, maybe he's what the doctor ordered for this Ryder O-line. And it's, it's certainly a theory that's been bandied about. I know a lot of people have talked about it, and I've, on, I've thought about it. I'm like, is Brandon Bridge right now maybe the better quarterback for this team? Maybe not necessarily a better quarterback than Zach Caleros, but given the pros and cons and the strengths and weaknesses of this team, is Brandon Bridge maybe the better fit for them at this moment in time? And you could make the argument that, yes, I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but over the next little while, we're going to get to see if he can. Because and we're gonna, well, we should probably just get into this now. The, as, much as, we, as much as everything went wrong against Ottawa, and there was a lot of issues that we're going to get into, and things that we talked about a lot in the preseason that kind of reared their ugly head in that game, most notably was just how poor the protection of Zach Caleros was and Brandon Bridge when he came in. And just what do they do to fix this? And I don't know the the answer to that question right now. Well, you can't bring in a whole bunch of new players. I mean, the season's already underway. Um, Maybe you try some new schemes, and maybe playing Montreal is just what the doctor ordered. You know, Uh, I, I think... You know, you start the year against an Argonauts team that 
Yeah, they won the Grey Cup last year, but they were a 500 football team. Ottawa looks like they're vastly improved. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, the team the team looked that atrocious against Ottawa, who looks like an improved team in the East. And if they beat Montreal, they're going to be two and one. Yeah. And I I don't I don't feel like and and maybe this is who you and I are that there's been a lot you know the defense in in week one was very okay that's that's what they should be week two they didn't really come to play I mean they got the whole Deron Carter issue which I will go on the record and say he should not be playing defense um, but this is a team that has a chance to be two and one against perhaps the worst professional football team I think I've ever laid eyes upon in my many years of watching the CFL so. You know, it might seem like doom and gloom. The starting quarterback's out. They just got their butts handed to them. But, you know, despite all the negativity, they got a chance at being above 500 three weeks in. And I think any team will take that. Yeah, and the sign of any good team is a team that fights through adversity. Every team is going to have their bumps along the way. And it's the teams that respond. It's the teams that find a way through it that come out stronger on the other side. And the Riders certainly have that opportunity. They have a lot of things they have to fix. But I wrote about this on 3 Down Nation. Okay, yeah, the Riders got the butts handed to them against Ottawa. You know what? In a league as close as the CFL, where there's basically eight teams that are pretty good to great, it's going to happen from time to time. And so how you respond to those games is what will define you as a team. So for the Riders, that means this week against Montreal... They don't, well, they, number one, they need to win. And number two, because it's Montreal and they're so porous, and we're going to talk about just how bad they might be a little later in the podcast, they don't need, just need to win this game. They need to literally blow them out of the water. Maybe not as bad as Winnipeg did, but oh, they yeah. need to win by, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 points. If they win by like one or two or less or like a touchdown or less, I still think that raises questions about this team because, I mean, Montreal's offense is so porous that a Brandon Bridge, even with a team that has a revolving door offensive line, a backup quarterback, and potentially their best offensive player is still playing defense. I mean, they should still be able to win that football game. Whenever the Riders playing Montreal reminds me of those nights that you have your buddies over to watch a Rider game because you know it's probably going to be a pretty good night. You know, some of those tight games are the ones you might go that might go south you. Kind of just watch them by yourself, maybe go to a bar or something like that. But this game against Montreal strikes me as the have your friends over because it's probably going to end well for you. But you're right. That offensive line needs to find their game in a hurry. Um, Maybe it's a simple, again, they've got some guys on that line that have proved they can do it at this level. And maybe it's just a matter of watching the film after being embarrassed and waking up, coming up with some new schemes. Or maybe this is who they are, and they have to maybe make a swap. But like I said, you can't you can't change five guys, but you might be able to trade and get a piece or two. The other thing that was really concerning to me, and you brought it up um, again off air. I keep stealing all your good points, Joel. I'm sorry. But <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like you have was any of your Ottawa's. Own. No, it's true. I am notorious. It's just like when I used to, you know, just listen to you guys at practice. I'm doing the exact same thing <laughs> to you, and we're friends, and I'm on your podcast, or, or I'm on our podcast. Um, Ottawa did a really, really, really good job of taking the Riders' best defensive players away from them. Yeah. And can Montreal do that? I mean, you look at, they basically said, okay, Hughes, Jefferson, all right, we'll take you away. Somebody else beat us, so somebody else needs to step up, and I think 
I think a lot of guys are going to watch the film from last week's game and be embarrassed and have a little fire in their belly. And <laughs> I'd hate being, I'd hate to play for Montreal right now because obviously there's way more talent on this Riders team than, than Montreal. And I think uh, Montreal could be the old, uh, the old Simpsons reference of the nuclear whipping boy um, <laughs> for a team. Topes lose, to Topes lose. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to bounce back in a big way. Yeah, and I, I think the point of Jefferson Hughes is really important because Ottawa saw something and they basically took the Belichick approach where it's, okay, we are going to take who we think are your most important players away and make someone else beat us. And defensively against Ottawa, that didn't happen. Now, it's important to point out there was some things schematically that the Riders did differ against Ottawa than they did Toronto. Hughes especially did drop back into coverage a few times and wasn't always necessarily gunning for the quarterback on every single play. So occasionally they essentially took them out of the play themselves. That's an entirely different question. Obviously, Chris Jones thought he saw something in Ottawa's offense that would help that, but not seeing them in week one for real. All you really could go off of was last year so. Maybe that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily the best idea. Regardless, Hughes and Jefferson were essentially invisible in that football game. So it was up to the middle of the defensive line, and it was up to the linebackers to try to do something, and they just couldn't. And it's been an issue for this team for a number of years now, the middle of that defense. And I think the fact that it got exposed again when it was supposed to be better this year. I mean, Zach Evans is still good. They signed Mikael Brooks this year, so it looks like they might be making a switch on the other side of the interior of that defensive line there a little bit, where they think they might need someone a little more consistent. And maybe that helps the offensive line as well, because I was discussing this with friend of the show, Dan Plaster, where it's like, okay, maybe that ends kind of the rotation at the other defensive tackle spot, which included some Canadians. And maybe that means Darius Bladek plays a little bit more on the offensive line who has looked at least comparable to Harrison, but he's Canadian, so you go with the Canadian over the American, etc., etc. You know, maybe that's the switch they're looking to make, and it works out a little better. But Mm -hmm. we know the defensive line will be there. You can't be dominant for 18 games plus the playoffs in football. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have off games. I mean, Charleston Hughes had three sacks in the first game, so there was going to be a regression regardless. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I'm not as concerned there. But the linebacking core continues to be a concern for me. I think Aguavin made some mistakes. It happens. But, I mean, we've talked about him at nauseum, and I hate picking on him. But there's a play where, like, there was a direct run at Sam Hurl and one step the other way, and he couldn't adjust. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this has to end. This has to end. Yeah. He can't be on the field unless it's a very obvious deep passing situation as far as I'm concerned. You got to go with Aguavin in the middle, and you got to give Cam Judge just free reign, basically, at this point. Because... Honestly, I, I, it can't get any worse in the middle there right now. No, it, it, it can't. I mean, Sam Hurl, all-around good guy, not a starting middle linebacker in the CFL. No, that's they, they. You're right, and I, and I think after two games and two in the preseason, it is quite painfully obvious. So the Riders, they, they got to do something there. I'm with you. I like that alignment that that you're suggesting going from there. Yeah, I think defensively that's the adjustment they have to make. We'll see if they do or not. And because, I mean, William Powell is a great running back, but they, the Ottawa ran wild on them, and it was just straight up the yep. middle. And yep. that you just can't allow that to happen or else, yeah, odds are you're going to have a bad time. So you just <laughs> you, you can't let that happen. And so, reversely, the offense we talked about in week one where it looked like there was this 
commitment to running the football, and all of a sudden they found themselves losing a football game by a touchdown or more early, and it was it was just gone again. Like Stephen yeah. McAdoo, bud, you have to commit to running the football. You can't just do it every once in a while. And maybe the return of Marcus Thigpen helps a little bit this week. I don't know. But that imbalance offensively in terms of play selection, I know late in the game they were down, so that doesn't count, but they were still fairly close for a good chunk of the game where they could still commit to the run, and they didn't do it. So, yeah, of course the Ottawa defense is going to pin their ears back and come at the quarterback. Well, well, and that's exactly it. You have an offensive line that has not looked good through the preseason and got first two games of the regular season. You have a scheme that apparently has completely given up on the run, and that, and that's the easiest that's the easiest way to solve it. Remember a few years ago, I'm trying to think it was it was like the Tino Sinceri year mm-hmm. that even with Tino Sinceri at quarterback, the Riders were running like ten times a game. Well, yeah, because George it. Cortez didn't trust his quarterbacks to throw a football, so they just ran. <laughs> because yeah, in his exactly, mind, exactly. the best I mean, the best play he, the offense could make was a play where you still had the ball at the end of the play. Yeah, <laughs> a it, mistake it, was not exactly. allowed under George Cortez. No, no, <laughs> it, it wasn't, or, or you got cut. Um, but I mean, you don't have to quite go to that extreme, but no. you need to have some balance. I Absolutely. Mean, even if you look at you look at what a lot of the teams that that do well around the CFL, what they do. I mean, even if they're down big, throw in a run once in a while. Usually, it's going to rip six, seven yards because everybody's waiting on a pass while you're down. But again, let's just hope that the Riders aren't down against Montreal because that would be. Um, can we hit a panic button in week after week three? I mean, if they lose to Montreal, then yes. Yes. Then 100%, I think, that is cause for concern. Generally speaking, I wouldn't ever say that about a team one and two just three weeks into the season. But when you consider what Montreal is, then absolutely. That is 100% a concern. So we've... Time time for a John hot take, Joel. Yeah. What's that? Are you ready? Are you ready for a John hot take? Always. The 0 and 18 Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, I think it's a thing that could happen, and I would say it's going to happen. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I. I just I, I I think at this point, this is the earliest you could ever say that about a CFL team. I'm not. I I think at the end of the day, they will find a way to win at least a football game, but. If there was ever a team two weeks into the season that you could say in the CFL where it's still a fairly close league could say, yeah, they could go 0-18, this year's Montreal Alouettes have to be that team. Oh, uh, certainly. After that, um, (laughs) I I listened to most of the Bombers game uh, as we head into talking about things outside the Riders here. I listened to most of the Bombers game while mowing the lawn. One of my favorite things to do, listening to Bob Irving and Doug Brown, because those guys can call a game. Same was, I mean, we're uh, we're blessed here in Saskatchewan with Rod Peterson. I've always been a huge fan of Rod's and the way he calls a game and Luke Mullinder as an analyst, but uh, just good guys to listen to. And I'm listening to that game while mowing the lawn. And to listen to them, like, not they're not negative guys. If you ever listen to, to, to Bob and Doug on a Bombers broadcast, they're not overly negative unless it comes to the Bombers. To hear Doug Brown try to say nice things about the Montreal Alouettes for an entire <laughs> quarter of football was... That's, that's, that's like an Oscar-worthy like, I mean, performance. And then this, oh, it was. It was spectacular. 
spectacular. Doug Brown should be proud of himself on that one. I mean, <laughs> even at the end of the day when they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what about Drew Willie's performance? Well, Drew Willie wasn't the, you know, wasn't the reason they lost this game. You know, they did give up 50-some points. But you're still thinking that if Drew Willie's performance last week is a bright spot for your football team, you might be on your way to 0-18. Yeah, and I mean, it's one thing to be 0-2. It's one thing to get blown out in two straight games to open the season. But And a lot of people have talked about this. I listened before us, before we recorded this, I listened to Justin and Drew on the Three Down podcast. I listened to yep. John and Tim on uh, Blue Bomber Talk, and I listened to a little bit earlier this week with Josh and Mike on Podski Wee Wee. And the general consensus is, and it's hard to disagree with anyone at this point, is that they're two weeks into the season, they look like complete dog poop, and the worst part of it all is it looks like a lot of guys on that team have already given up. And that that oh, yeah. is the biggest concern about what you see out of the Montreal Alouettes right now. Yeah, I mean, it's... And who knows, it's early, but I think after after listening to and watching the highlights of that Blue Bomber victory last week, I, I just... There's nothing good to be said about the Alouettes about their personnel, about their team, about their coaching staff, about uh, anything. And as an aside, while listening to the Bomber game, and I could hear the exasperation in Bob Irving's voice, when Mike Sherman started calling for measurements and had a challenge late in that football game, just get your team the F out of there. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I, I mean, okay, as a fan, I get that side of it. But at the same time, as a coach, you have to coach to the end. And if it looks like your players are giving up, you have to show that you're not. Even though it's like a 100-point differential and you're never going to come back into anywhere close to respectability in that football game, he still has to coach to the end. So in that regard, I get it. I get why he continued to do that. I mean, as a fan, if I was sitting there as a fan, I'd be like, oh, let's go, let's get this over with. But as a guy who, you know, who pretends to understand what football is about and is what sports is about, as the coach, he's got to keep doing it. And I so I see both sides of it, but I understand completely why he still had to challenge those plays and ask for measurements. Yeah, I yeah. When it's that, it's, it's not fun. I, it's I, not fun, but he's got to do it. So the other side of that football game, and I think outside of. Another situation that we'll talk about in a little, little bit because there isn't a whole lot to talk about there other than we hope for good things was the yeah. big the story this week in the CFL is Chris Trevelor and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yes, they played Montreal, and that needs to be taken into consideration, absolutely. But anytime you hang 50 on a professional football team as bad as they are, especially with a rookie quarterback in the CFL, I mean, that, that sends you know, a, a shot across the bow towards the rest of the league with Winnipeg as far as I'm concerned. No, I, I'm with you. I think Winnipeg is looking like they can weather the storm without Matt Nichols. Uh, Chris Strebler, uh he's he's definitely he's a guy that's watched a lot of Bomber football. He's better than any backup they've trotted out there for about three years. I mean, and that's it's not a very high bar to raw cross. rookie. No, it's it's it's, it's a very, <laughs> very 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 spectacularly low bar. But to to see it like. To see some decent quarterback play out of somebody without the last name Nichols is almost shocking to see in Winnipeg these days. And it's been it's been a discovery that's all been brought on by the snap retirement of Darian Durant. But uh, it's it's good for Winnipeg. Now, he looked like a world beater against Montreal. And I'm pretty sure by this point, 
the former me with my career 8-2 and two record in the Lloydminster Flag Football League could go out and at least complete 40% of my passes against the Montreal defense. Mm. So let's take it with a grain of salt. But he's looked, you know, he's looked... He's looked better than most, better than most expected, and yeah. he's been a pleasant surprise. And maybe so far, if he does it again against, he looked good against Edmonton, great against Montreal. I think if he looks good to great again in the Bombers' next game, I definitely think, I believe that's against Hamilton. I yeah. definitely think now maybe it starts getting a little more buzz. Like if he can, you know, if he can go out, look good against the Tie Cats. That's two good games against good teams in the CFL and a great game against the worst team in professional football. I think maybe it's more of a story then. I'm still going to, you know, still make a relax, cool the Jets a little bit when it comes to Strebler. But I, I think it's a cool story. I mean, the guy's right out of college starting professional ball and winning games. Is this an early marquee matchup, the way Hamilton looked against Edmonton last week, when you consider where Winnipeg is right now? I mean, I think out, you take the quarterbacks out of the, occasion, out of the equation – Winnipeg is probably one of the deepest teams in the league, especially when it comes to Canadian talent. So they're certainly in the conversation there. Hamilton looked like world beaters against Edmonton. Like they actually beat a good team where they had to stay on the road for the whole week because there's no point in going back and forth between Hamilton. And so, I mean, I will be on the record of saying I wasn't a Hamilton believer, but they're starting to make it out of me. And I, this Winnipeg Hamilton game this week is really, really intriguing to me in terms of, can Jeremiah Masoli finally string it together? Can Chris Trevler play well against a real team? I mean, there's, there's, this is going to be, in my equation, you know, one heck of a football game. I, I agree. I am certainly looking forward to it. And so I touched on it. Like, I kind of hinted at it a second ago. Outside of Winnipeg and Montreal and the polar opposites of what's going on there, the story of the week in the CFL, unfortunately, is bad news. And it's what we saw happen to Ricky Ray against the Calgary Stampeders. Not the fact that they also lost by 100, but by the fact that in a seemingly weird sort of innocent-looking hit, we're talking about a situation where we don't know if Ricky Ray is going to play football again. And frankly, it doesn't matter if he plays football again. What's more important at this point is that he's able to go on and live his life in sort of a normal fashion that he's been used to after this, that he's allowed to be a dad, that he's allowed to, you know, contribute in in different ways, whether he's able to live his life as he did. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it other than if Ricky Ray wants to play football again, he can come back from this. He's certainly more than welcome. But most importantly, I think we just all hope that Ricky Ray is able to have a as fast as possible and a speedy and a full recovery from this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't think we're going to see him on, on a football field uh, again, because again, it is a cold dose of reality. Jim pops already said he's going to miss a significant amount of time this season. You hate to see the all time greats potentially go out like this. A guy like Rick D Ray, who is certainly first ballot hall of fame and mm-hmm. maybe the best, the most consistent best quarterback of most of my years of watching the CFL. But it's you just hate to see it you're right you hope he can live a normal life and if i'm ricky you got to give some serious thought to hanging up what the guy he's won everything you know well, he hasn't been an mop technically but i mean that doesn't matter true i mean but <laughs> i i think it's time to and i i wish him well if he chooses it but i wouldn't be surprised to see ricky ray you know go be a family man and, and while he still can yeah and, and i don't think anyone would blame him for that and it's 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 eerie because i was thinking about this today that it was sort of the same time of year a number of years ago when Anthony Calvillo took that hit in Regina against the against the Riders and never played again. Yeah, I mean it's and we've talked about it ad nauseum where 
at this age and a quarterback and any player in their kind of their twilight part of their career, it, you never know when it's going to happen and it could be any single hit and you just, you just you hate to see it happen. And all we can hope for is that Ricky has the recovery that he deserves. I would agree. And so um, we're going to take a complete 180 here now as uh, we mm-hmm. hinted on it on Twitter a little bit as uh, John... Uh, you received a little bit of bad news this week as you received what you thought was an unjust parking ticket, I do believe. So, sir, the floor is yours. Okay. So what happened was I normally park in my garage, had to unload some groceries, so I parked my Nissan Rogue on the street. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.